Welcome to Trauma-Informed Parenting, where you can find information about adoption, foster care, parenting a child with a capital letter syndrome, such as ADD, ADHD, FASD, SPD, on the spectrum, etc., and trauma-informed parenting, all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker, but more important than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Trauma-Informed Parenting, a Coffee Break podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to Trauma-Informed Parenting. Today, I have Dr. Jared Brown back. Thanks for coming back, Dr. Jared. Absolutely, Kathleen. Thanks for having me. And Dr. Jared is going to talk about the gut-brain health axis which I'm very excited to hear about because I've been learning a little bit about this the past probably five years. Having CFS, chronic fatigue syndrome, I needed to learn more about this. So I'm really, I'm ready to take notes and I'm ready for you just to teach us, Dr. Jared. Absolutely. So this is a topic that I've been doing more and more work on over the last handful of years. And I became interested in this because most of the cases I've consulted on over the years where the client has had like a really severe mental health problem or a neurodevelopmental disorder or extensive trauma histories or drug and alcohol problems, most of the time there's something going on with the gut hmm. that isn't working properly. And, and as I dug deeper in this topic a good handful of years ago, there, there's a huge connection between digestive health issues and emotional behavioral problems so that's kind of that gut brain health access we'll talk about that but Kathleen are you aware that there's research that talks about there's four primary reasons why people reach out to their primary care doctor and at the top of the list is fatigue Mm. pain related problems sleep issues and digestive health problems so what we're talking about today is one of the kind of big four why just people in general in the United States reach out to their primary care doctor. But if someone, let's say someone's dealing with chronic sleep issues, that's been linked with more digestive health problems. If someone's dealing with like extreme chronic pain issues, that's been linked with more digestive health issues as well. So when we think of the gut brain health access, it's really, think of it like a bi-directional biochemical signaling kind of access hmm. where it's it's connected with the gut and the brain and part of this access is the central nervous system the autonomic nervous system the enteretic nervous system which is our own nervous system in our gut people are surprised to learn that we actually have a nervous system in our gut and part of this access too is the HPA access, the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal access. And this access involves all kinds of like hormones and 
different kinds of neural signaling pathways and it also is really related to our immune system so when this access is working properly we we're, we're more in balance we're more like homeostasis when this access is off we might be more likely to feel tired we might be more likely to have depression anxiety it's been linked with all kinds of different things so when you hear of like gut brain health access dysfunction it really is a driver or associated with all kinds of illnesses and diseases and if you look at this research immune system dysfunction is related to this mm, metabolic yeah. issues so people that deal with like diabetes or obesity or things like that like metabolic dysfunction a lot of times the gut's not working properly as well there's also research Kathleen too that talks about when the gut is off maybe we're more likely to have allergies or asthma or it can really exacerbate anxiety and depression just to name a few I'll stop there just for a second Kathleen see if you have any uh, thoughts so far well, right. I was thinking about, I also have celiac disease and I was thinking about pre-diagnosis and I always had gut issues and I didn't know, like, so maybe for the listener who's like, you know what, my stomach always hurts or after I eat, my stomach hurts or I also struggle with fatigue and depression and anxiety because like you said, those, those are often linked to your gut. So when do you know you better go get this checked out? When is it, hey, that's not normal? Well, in the, in the general population, some studies say that as many as 75% of people in the United States may be dealing with digestive health issues, wow. things like this. <laughs> and it can be triggered by all kinds of things, stress, poor eating habits, conflict. Most people will be dealing with this on some level at some point. Some can be mild, some can be moderate, and some can be very severe. But let's say, look at the autism literature, for example. You will find some studies that indicate as many as 90% of people on the autism spectrum have something not working properly in the gut. Hmm. Right. And if you... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and if you combine that with the, the diet of people on the spectrum because of the texture issues and being having to eat the same thing every day, because I found that with my kiddos, it's like trying to get healthy food in them and heal their gut and heal their nutrition from being in an orphanage where they weren't getting the best nutrition just because it wasn't available. That was a huge struggle. So I know those gut issues were forming pre coming home in air quotes there and it's it's difficult to deal with because then they just wanted to eat the same things it's very difficult and personality factors and traits play into this too there's research that shows if people are more rigid inflexible they ruminate they catastrophize mm. and maybe they deal with some level of alexithymia mm -hmm. that can exacerbate these kinds of issues. So you ask the question, when do we go to the doctor to check this out? A lot of medical doctors, MDs, I don't think specialize in this for some reason. I'm sure they know some. A mm -hmm. lot of, you probably, 
if you look toward the functional medicine world, they're going to know more about this. But there's literally been thousands and thousands of studies published on the gut, gut-brain health access, looking at all kinds of illnesses and diseases and disorders. And the research is pretty clear. If someone is dealing with a high level of mental health issues or substance use problems or things that are related to like autoimmune issues, that's an indication that the gut's probably not working properly. You will find studies too that talk about this within the context of Alzheimer's disease and dementia Mm. and Parkinson's and multiple sclerosis. So the takeaway point is here, if you want to improve mood, behavior, even cognition, fix the gut. Work on the gut because of that gut-brain health access. If the gut is off, the brain is off. If the brain is off, the gut is off. They both work hand-in-hand. And if you are a parent and you have a child with some sort of like disrupted behavioral patterns, have you ever ruled out, could it be partially be related to some issues in the gut? It's probably not the only factor, but it is a factor to take into account. If you have sleep issues, rule that out. If someone is eating terribly, rule that out. Look at what is going on in their life as well. Conflict, worry, fear, anxiety, anything like that can adversely impact the gut. Our lifestyle practices, if you're one that comes home from work and you're up all night on your screen and you don't sleep well and you're pounding down the energy drinks and caffeine and sugar-sweet beverages, that's all been linked with more gut health issues. Sedentary behaviors can cause gut health issues. Certain medications, especially if people have been on tons of antibiotics at various points in their life, you will find lots of studies that show that that may adversely impact the gut. Our housing situations, there are studies on that too. People that live in Housing situations where it's a very crowded household, lots of stress, it's chaotic, that Mm. can trigger more gut issues. And even looking at our social network, there's been studies done that if someone is dealing with a high level of loneliness or they're in social relationships with other people that are just not very nice to them, that can impact the gut. And again, anything that impacts the gut can adversely impact our mood and behavior as well. Right. And we were talking about before we started recording, like I said, you know, I keep a pretty, um, I am kind of flexible, but I have to keep a pretty strict schedule myself. And one of the books that I read that really helped me, I read it years ago, was Change Your Schedule, Change Your Life. And he's just talking about all of these things that you're talking about, turning off your screens at 830, not eating after dinner time, getting up at the same time every day. And making sure you're getting the right nutrition for your body type and those sorts of things. So I'm, I think that when I do those things, my gut is healthier, like not eating after dinner time, eating a healthy dinner, turning my screens off at 830. And I think these things can also be applied to children. I think we live in a culture where it's just like, well, you know, they have the iPad, so let them play on it. Or, you know, let's just let them eat chicken nuggets every meal. And I know that some kids that are on the spectrum, they have to have certain foods. But there are ways that you can supplement that. And I know that I might, I might have been ahead of the curve way back in 
2000, but I found like these probiotics and prebiotics before anybody was ever talking about them. And I was like, these are good things. I'm going to make sure my kids start taking them because of their nutritional deficiencies. So I know I'm kind of meandering, but I'm talking about schedule. Now I'm leaning into what does the literature say about these prebiotics and probiotics? I, I hate to comment on that. There are tons of studies out mm-hmm. there on these on probiotics, prebiotics, things like that. I would recommend talking to your healthcare provider because there's so many different versions and brands and different strands. Mm-hmm. One has different biochemical individuality. So it's very important to work with a healthcare provider or like a functional medicine specialist because maybe the probiotic for you helps you, but that same probiotic for the other individual may not work because of that biochemical individuality. So I'm sorry I can't give you a clear-cut answer there. No, that's a good answer because that's what I did. I mean, I talked to my functional medicine doctor, and he's the one who tells me, you know, he goes through the supplements and say, you know, you don't need these or this will help you. So, yeah, it's very individual. But I think at that time I was just kind of experimenting, and I'm not recommending you experiment on your children but I think there are a lot more functional medicine doctors that know about these things that you can talk to them. I, my youngest son, we took him to a, um, a trauma-informed pediatrician and a nutritionist. So those are things that you can find now. They're, they weren't things that you could find years ago. Yeah, there's more and more people specializing in these areas. And it's so important and it's a great specialty because... Almost everyone in society deals with this on some level at some point, but if you're working with certain kinds of special needs populations, folks with lots of medical diagnoses or neuropsychiatric, more times than not, the gut is not working at optimal levels. And there's a a multitude of reasons for that. But Kathleen, can I share a little bit about some like maternal factors that could impact this? There's lots of good research on that as well. Yes, please do. So think about, again, I mean, we, you and I have talked a lot about like prenatal alcohol, prenatal drug, prenatal like trauma exposure, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Whatever mom is doing during pregnancy obviously can either negatively or positively impact that developing child in utero. But there are specific studies that have looked at if mom is smoking during pregnancy or that child is around secondhand smoke, that can impact the gut. Lower socioeconomic status has been shown to adversely impact the gut, especially early on in life, and if mom is pregnant, dealing with lower socioeconomic status. And the reason for that is if people don't have a lot of money, usually stress is higher, fear, Mm -hmm. worry, uncertainty if someone's facing eviction. Maybe there's some transportation issues, things of that nature. Working long hours, overnight shifts, um, just jet lag. These things have been talked about as well. Malnutrition, food insecurity. Some Mondays that's dealing with like a host of health inequities or disparities as well that can adversely impact the gut. And all these things too can impact our, our mood and behavior as well. So those are just a few things. There's many, many more. But if you ever come across the term 
gut dysbiosis. That's another term all of you should probably just be aware of. If you hear the term gut dysbiosis, that just indicates that the gut's not working at optimal levels. And when we talk about the gut-brain health access, it's also important to understand gut microbiota. Those are some different terms Hmm. that maybe your audience just wants to learn about. You will literally find thousands of resources online about these things. But if someone's dealing with gut dysbiosis, the gut is off. And again, if the gut is off, that can impact all facets of human functioning. And this is really related to a lot of illnesses, diseases, and disorders. And if you're working in the mental health field, if you're working with at-risk families, you would benefit from learning about this topic. And Kathleen, just the other day, actually gave a talk to a group out of state online, and it was focused on criminal justice professionals, and I actually did a training on the gut-brain health access through the criminal justice lens. And there are studies now starting to come out that indicate that gut dysbiosis and dysfunction in the gut may explain, in some cases, anger, violence, and aggression. By no means am I saying anyone that's had a history of anger, violence, and aggression, it's only caused by the gut. But some of these studies are saying, maybe if you fix the gut and target that as an intervention, and this could be another avenue for intervention and treatment on top of the other interventions that are already out there. So I suspect in the years to come, there'll be more education, awareness, and training around maybe really looking at the gut and what role it plays in criminality in some cases as well. Right, and I I wanted to kind of backtrack for a second and talk about the maternal factor that you were talking about prenatally. I just remember going into my appointments and it was all about, you know, measuring and seeing how the baby's doing, weighing you. You either gained too much weight or you didn't gain enough weight or all of those, you know, taking your vitamins, the glucose tolerance test, which my daughter just went through. So that's, she's pregnant. And so that's like fresh in my mind. And I failed that one. (laughs) She passed hers, but I failed that one several times. But it's like nobody ever talked about this. Nobody talked about your gut health when you were pregnant and how it would factor in to the infant that's forming in your womb. No one talked about that. And I think it's, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think that as a listener, well, maybe, maybe in your family, someone's pregnant or maybe you're bringing home a child through adoption and you need to find out, you know, what's their history. Maybe find that out too. We need to. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am just, this is my own professional opinion. Let's say you've adopted a child and they're dealing with some special needs. And again, I'm not giving any medical medical advice. Talk to your healthcare provider. But in my opinion, fixing the gut and optimizing that is just as important as all of the other wonderful interventions people do, like sensory, occupational therapy, trauma-informed attachment-based. They all work hand-in-hand. And I think that is an area to maybe look into more with your doctor because, again, if you're doing all these other things, speech and language and feeding specialists and all these things, which is very important, also consider that maybe all of this disruptive behavior, extreme coliciness, sleep issues, feeding issues, could it be partially linked 
to some gut dysbiosis? In some cases, the answer would be yes. Not in all cases, but I know some parents who are in the foster care arena or adoptive parents who've actually, on top of working with their pediatrician, have worked with a functional medicine specialist, naturopathic doctor, and got some other ideas too that really helped optimize that baby's or child's gut. And anecdotally, I've heard from these people that it did make a difference. But again, talk to your healthcare provider before like implementing any specific strategies or nutritional interventions. I think it's really important. I agree because that's a more holistic approach is covering, you know, the gut health as well as the speech therapy, the occupational therapy, the sensory therapy, all of those things are important, but you've got to have them all working at the same time. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of integrative behavioral health approaches, holistic interventions, mind-body approaches, and even learning about the field of psychoneuroimmunology, which really brings a lot of the science together from all these disciplines and looking at someone really holistically through their mood, through their genetics, through their immune system, and it's really a helpful field of study as well. I think so too, and I'm so glad that more is available about this because it used to be going to, I mean, when I was getting a diagnosis for chronic fatigue syndrome all those years ago, I went to a rheumatologist, I went to my primary care physician, it's like they just ship you off to another doctor and they put everything in a separate box when you're one person and everything in your body is trying to either work together or work against you. And um, so I think it's important to have this holistic approach for our kids too. We can't just say it's only this or it's only that. We need to look at the whole child. Cannot agree more, 100%. And just to kind of plant the seed with your audience, why this is so important is that there are now studies coming out talking about prenatal alcohol exposure disrupting the gut. I mean, I knew this Mm. anecdotally. I mean, I've worked with clients for years, but there's more studies coming out. You will find studies on ADHD in the gut, tons on autism in the gut. Some studies also indicate that traumatic brain injuries can throw off the gut because if someone has a blow to their head, it doesn't just impact the brain, but if where that blow happens to the head, it can throw off neurochemicals, neural signaling, and those signals get transmitted to the gut and there can be disruptions. So wow, we're probably dealing with this on some level. And I, I've been giving more talks too on the Western diet. If, if you look at some of the research on the Western way of eating, fast food consumption, gas station food, things loaded with preservatives, emulsifiers, food colorings, you'll find several articles that talk about excessive consumption of the Western diet throws off our gut microbiome. Mm. gut dysbiosis if our gut is off that can trigger impaired insulin signaling in some cases create more neuroinflammation and a heavy reliance on the western way of eating has been linked with more obesity allergy problems diabetes depression the list goes on and even excessive sugar consumption and high fructose corn syrup Mm. has been linked to this and there's studies too that show that high consumptions of aspartame so if you drink lots of diet soda that may actually impact the gut as well so there's all kinds of things that can impact the gut 
That's crazy. And I feel like, you know, once you are eating that Western diet, like those fast foods and the sodas that you were talking about and the energy drinks, they're, they're addictive. They are really like the cocaine of <laughs> our society. And once you start eating that way and your gut is unhealthy, then you just crave more and your brain is sending out the signal. I need to have more of that. I need to have more of that. And it's just a vicious cycle. It really is. Absolutely. And then I'm not talking about someone that eats that way once in a while, but yeah, if right. it's a repetitive way of eating like that, it really is a threat to human health. The research is quite clear on this. So let me ask you then, what does the literature say is the best way to start working on your gut health? If you've never heard anything about this and you're listening to this podcast, you're like, I didn't know any of that stuff. How do we start? Like all these things, multifactorial, lots of different things, but some common sense things that are that are talked about in this literature repeatedly, get better sleep. Hmm. If you don't sleep well, that, in my opinion, sleep is number one to health, tackling sleep. If you are one that really struggles with managing your emotions, negative emotionality, has been linked with more gut problems. Whatever comorbidity someone's dealing with, if they're dealing with depression, anxiety, loneliness, drug and alcohol problems, maybe emotional eating habits, if you tackle those, you're not only improving your emotional health, you're improving your gut health. And if you improve your gut health bidirectionally, that's having a positive impact on your mood as well. Really be aware too, of your social environment. If you are around people that make you feel terrible, Hmm. that's likely impacting your gut on some level. Staying in contact with your healthcare provider, going to your dentist, you will find several studies that show that problems in the mouth and someone that doesn't take care of their dental hygiene, that may impact the gut because the mouth is the gateway to the gut. So we got to take that into account as well. Mm. Just talking to a therapist who understands you, who can validate you, where you can learn new skills, just that can be helpful. There's a couple studies too, this is really interesting, that come out of the green space literature. People that are out in nature more, Mm. that in and of itself may actually have a very positive impact on your gut. We know it has a huge impact on mood, but the very nature of just being out around trees and wilderness and, and disconnecting from your gadgets, just a lot of common sense things that we all know. If you smoke cigarettes, don't smoke anymore. Obviously, easier said than done. If you right. have really problematic habits, if you're pounding down the energy drinks all day long or the sugar sweet beverages, You might benefit from talking to a nutritionist and coming up with a plan. So lifestyle factors play a role with this. Our social factors. What about our job? If we are working in a high-stress job and you skip meals all the time and you rush through lunch and you don't ever take a break, burnout symptoms, these are all linked to gut problems as well. And there's some literature too that indicates that gut dysbiosis, gut-related problems, can actually erode your resilience. So Hmm. if you want to build up your resilience at a biochemical and cellular level, work on the gut as well. 
Well, it sounds like there are little changes that are common sense that if you begin to do these things, they can have a positive snowball effect in your gut health. Is that true? Is that what you would say? Absolutely. I mean, just look at our whole lifestyle practices holistically and again, do it in conjunction with your healthcare provider. But the better things you put into your mind, into your body, you typically work better. You feel better. I mean, pretend it's an automobile. If you're running that automobile day in and day out and never give it a rest or never bring it in for a tune-up, you put the most cheapest form of oil and gasoline in there, what's going to happen? It's probably going to break down more frequently. So just taking care of things, being proactive, taking breaks, practicing good self-care, disconnecting from really tough stuff for a little bit and taking more vacations and getting out in nature, laughing more and deep breathing. All these things have been also linked with improved gut health. Well, and that's good news for me because yesterday my husband and I took the day off and we went up further up. We live up in the mountains. We went further up the mountain and went hiking. And he was saying to me, thank you for planning this. This, I needed this. I needed to get outdoors a little bit. He works indoors. I have the ability because I work from home. I can go out and take, I'm going to take a hike after this podcast is over. But as soon as he said that, I was like, well, we haven't taken a vacation. Maybe we should come up here for a week. So I scheduled it already on got an Airbnb. We're going up there for a week at the end of October because we need it. And it's, you know, it's something that we have to put into practice. Does it take effort? Yes. Does it take like, oh, I've got to schedule all these things so I have that week off? Well, I think it's worth it in the long run, honestly. So oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Definitely. Yeah. Taking breaks, enjoying life, laughing, spending time with loved ones is so good for our emotional and behavioral health, but it's also so good for our gut. Right. And one other thing I want to mention, I'm sure you've come across this in your literature. It's like I had this habit of, and I'm going to say Sabbath, but it doesn't necessarily mean in a religious way, just taking one day off where I'm not on devices, I'm not working on my computer, I'm not doing those things has benefited me a lot when it comes to my mental state for the rest of the week, but I'm sure it does have something to do with my gut health as well. I'm sure it helps that, but I don't know. I mean, you could put it into words, I'm sure. If you just take a break and practice mindfulness, and that's probably like a form of mindfulness, and yeah, you're disconnecting from task, from doing a lot of thinking that maybe causes stress, we can feel that in our bodies very quickly that we're calmer. Mm. Maybe you feel less inflamed in the body. All of these things can absolutely have a very positive impact on your gut. And again, just disconnecting from the screen is a huge, huge thing because if we're on the screen constantly and we're multitasking and we're doing it late into the evening, that can throw off our melatonin levels Mm-hmm. It can spike our cortisol levels. It can even throw off our blood sugar levels. All of these things create imbalance in our body. And the more imbalance we have, the more it's going to impact our gut and our brain. Right. 
And so finishing up here, I'm going to throw a question at you, but I know you can handle it. So let's say that a parent is listening and they're like, you know what? I've never heard of this gut stuff. I don't know what's going on, but my child is having issues. Where do I start looking into it? How do I, how do I begin this journey? Talk to your healthcare provider. Consider maybe working with a functional medicine specialist. Get some medical advice. Maybe ask them what are the best resources to to look at this, learn about it, understand the terms. Once you start understanding the terms, you understand the research on this, you're in a better position to feel more empowered. Mm. And that can improve parental self-efficacy. And Mm -hmm. that's been linked with improved parenting outcomes. Really taking a look holistically at what you do as a family, your eating habits, your screen time habits. Are you disconnected as a family and you just kind of wave each other in passing every day because everyone is just so busy and you're go, 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 go. Take a look at this holistically. Are there some things that you could tweak to create some more balance, some more downtime? Take a minute just to breathe to be around people, to connect. All of these things can help emotional health, but again, a lot of, most of these things are also gonna just help our bodies run better and work better, which can have a, really a positive impact on our gut health. Well, that's a lot of good advice. And I, I say, as a parent, what Dr. Jared was saying, you know, learn the terms. It's super important because when you go into the doctor's office and you say uh, my child isn't behaving or something very very general it's difficult for them to come up with a solution for you but if you begin to learn these terms and you mention them then it may cause them to dig a little deeper and say well maybe there's something else going on I found that in in my life with my kiddos if I knew something about what I was asking for help with it helped the doctor as well. Yep, absolutely. And it's a team approach too. Right. And it's probably going to take a multidisciplinary approach to combat this. I mean, like everything, it's going to take work, of course, but it's worth it. You're worth it. Your family's worth it. And it's really worth it to your overall health and wellness in the short term and long term. And then you're modeling these healthy behaviors to the next generation as well. Hopefully they can carry it over to their kids as they get older. Right. I agree 100%. So thanks for joining me today again, Dr. Jared. You're welcome. Thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And we will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Trauma-Informed Parenting. Make sure you subscribe on TraumaInformedParenting.com to receive a free resource and receive a newsletter plus updates when books or new courses are released. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, or Spotify and leave a review so other listeners can find trauma-informed parenting and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send me an email to contact at trauma-informed parenting.com.